0: and uh, pray that we would continue to grow together and thrive together. Amen? Amen. Before we get started with the word, let's go for the Lord in prayer. Lord, I thank you for the word this morning. Lord, I thank you for all the messages that have led up to this in Romans chapter 15 right now. Lord, I pray that your anointing would be on this message. Lord, that it wouldn't just uh, fall on deaf ears, but Lord, that we would have ears to listen to. Lord, I pray this morning that this would be an impacting and lasting, work that we wouldn't just take it here and leave it here, but we would take it out into the world with us. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your presence in this place this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This is the second to last chapter in Romans. Uh, last week we covered Romans 14, if you don't remember that. It was an interesting sermon. If you remember, Paul spoke about the stronger and the weaker in relation to the freedoms that we have in Christ, right? We talked about the different freedoms that we have, and and our freedoms in Christ aren't to be hung over the head of those who are weaker, right? They're not to be hung over the heads of those who may be weaker in the faith. And we want to be careful that in, in enjoying our freedoms, it doesn't come at the cost of offending our brothers and sisters. We wanna be so careful that in enjoying our freedoms, it doesn't come at the cost of offending our brothers and sisters. That That was the focus of chapter 14, and now we get into chapter 15. Chapter 15 continues to show how those who are stronger in the faith serve, or can serve, those who are weaker in the faith. Remember that in following Christ and his example, I want you to listen to this carefully, we are not first called to power and prestige. In following Christ and his example on the earth, we are not first called to power and prestige. We are called towards humility and service. Amen? We're not called to to just be on our high towers, right? We're called to serve with humility. That's the crux of Paul's message as Romans 15 starts out this way. Look at the first slide there. It says this in verses 1 through 3. We then who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Now, remember how I told you that Romans is full of just good, godly, practical wisdom. We then who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. He reminds us of our responsibility in our faith. In this portion of Paul's letter, he begins to see, he's speaking to those who are strong, those who are mature in the faith. He says, Listen, it's our responsibility to, to bear them up. It says this We then who are strong ought to bear the failings of the weak. Now, I like what David Guzik says in his commentary. He says this The idea isn't really bearing with, but bearing up. The idea isn't bearing with somebody, but bearing up the weaker brother. We are supporting him with our superior strength. How many have ever bear with somebody? Come on. How many bear with somebody just this morning? How many bear with your spouse this morning? I love you, honey. My, my wife wants to put a Christmas tree where I don't want. We we're, were just talking about. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes we bear with people, right? Well, you know, I'm just gonna have to bear with them. Come on. Maybe people that right, Rhonda? Sometimes we just have to bear with people. But that's not what Paul's talking about here. Paul's not talking about just putting up with people or getting by in your conversations with people. He's talking about lifting them up or supporting them, bearing up people. When I think of this principle, the first thing that comes to my mind, and this might sound strange, but it's it's going somewhere is digging a trench. How many ever dug a trench? There's quite a few in here, I'm sure. Jonathan me. Your dad isn't here this morning. I know I know. Uh, Suzanne's mom isn't feeling well and so they're spending time with her and that's okay. But I was gonna pick on him this morning. But since he's not here, you're here. <laughs> How many trenches would you say you dug, Jonathan? Uh, hundreds. Hundreds? How many got him dug? How many say you got more than 100 more than in the trenches? Mike Anderson? probably doing it more by hand than I you know. But
1: you're a expert, right?
0: No. No? no. You sure you don't want me to talk to you over here? Okay. <laughs> Jonathan, you dug, you dug trenches, and then you here to trenches. And here's the thing when I was younger, uh, I dug trenches. Now, that might surprise some of you, but I had an intern. For one summer, I interned at the company my father worked at. My father was a truck driver and train operator for a scrapyard in town called Padmills Iron and Metal. Padmills Iron Mill, Metal. And so I worked, one of the many aspects of this job was that I was digging trenches. Now, we had to get a landfill down to level to build a foundation on. We had to dig t- trenches to lay pipe, or to lay tile is what sometimes they call oh, it here in Iowa. Well, we were laying pipe and we were digging trenches and we had the benefit of a backhoe. How many are glad for machinery? <laughs> Amen? We had the benefit of a backhoe, but the backhoe only got down so far. It only did so much. So the job required me to get down into the trench to make sure that we could lay the pipe that was needed for the project. Now, Jonathan, have you ever been down in the trench? Yes. yes. How many have ever been down in the trenches? Come on. Not, not talking about just the physical trench. I'm talking about down in the trenches. Now, one thing that I learned was this. In doing this had to do with the strength of the trench wall. If it wasn't strong enough, it can do what, Jonathan? It will cave in. If the, if the trench wall isn't strong enough, if there's weakness in the wall, it can mess up the work. Right? If there's weakness in the wall, it can mess up the work. So to ensure that the wall doesn't cave in, you have to shore it up, or bear it up with a strong structure. This is the analogy that comes to my mind when I think about the strong bearing up the weak. When your brother or sister is weaker, it's our job as the stronger to come and shore up that which would otherwise fail. That is the essence of serving. Amen. It's the essence of serving where your walk may be weak. My walk may be strong. Where my walk may be weak. Your walk may be strong. There's areas of my life I'm weak in and others are strong in. There's areas of your life that you're weak in and others are strong in. But rather than just bear with your failing and take it as another downfall of a weak brother, I stand beside you, in the trenches, with you, and when you begin to fail, my faith and strength help bear you up and secure the walls. Amen? That's our job as Christians. To help bear up, secure the walls. In reading this passage, I like how the message paraphrased it. uh, The message version paraphrased it. It says this, those of us who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter. And not just do what is most convenient for us. Strength is for service, not status each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us asking ourselves the simple question, how can I help? Because that's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't make it easy for himself by avoiding people's troubles, but waited right in and helped them. How many know sometimes it's easy to avoid troubles? So this person's going through this. Oh, we're just going to avoid it. Oh, this person's going through. let's just avoid that. Let's, I, we got other things to do. We got bigger things to do Right? We got other people to help out. We got other things to do. We, don't, we, we can't bother ourselves with the closet right now. We got other things to do. We can't bother ourselves with children's ministry right now. We got other things to do. Oh, right? I mean, I couldn't imagine being an usher and the pressure. <laughs> I got other things to do, right? And that says this. I like this at the end of verse three. The reproaches of those who reproached, who, who reproached you fell on me. Uh, what does that mean, Pastor David? It simply means this. I took on the troubles of the trouble. I took on the troubles of the trouble. How many know there are times when in our weakness we need people to come beside us and lift us up? I mean, this is, this is one of those aspects of where our pride gets stripped away. Our pride gets away when, in our weakness, whether it be by prayer or practice, we as Christians are called to, as the strong, are called to lift up those who are weak. How many of you know it's very easy to say, Oh, I'll pray for you? Somebody says, Well, I'm really going through this right now. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll pray for you, brother. And I think that we should be praying for each other, but more than prayer, I think in practice is where it's more powerful at times. Because sometimes I, I don't need your prayer as much as I need your help. Come on, you hear what I'm saying? I I, I, need, I want both. I want both, don't get me wrong. But a lot of times as Christians will say, okay, oh, I'll pray about that. Instead of stepping in and doing the work for you. All right, is he trying to escape? That's all right. <laughs> Whether it be by prayer or practice, we are called to lift up those are leaders. There's two points I want to share with you about this. Uh, we don't want to get prideful about our strength. As Christians, we don't want to be prideful. Our strength is in Christ. Amen. It's not in us. Our strength is not in us alone. It's in Christ. We don't hang it over somebody, but let them know with humility that we can help them. Hey, listen. I've been through this too. Let me show you how I got through. That's where now you know I used to be weak in this area, but now I'm strong. I'm not prideful about my strength. I'm, I'm humbled enough to say, hey, listen, you went through the muck and the mire. I went through the very same thing. What the fuck you get through You're going through it right now. I've been there. Let me help you. Amen? As Christians, we that's that's what our, our job is as stronger, to lift up the weaker. Number two, the second point is this. It doesn't mean that we enable weakness. No. The Bible says, in leading to edification, in leading to edification, some people will try to drain you. Amen? Now, really, man. You know what I'm saying? Some people will try to drain you. Well, you know, I'm just weak, brother. I, I just need your help. Well, no, 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 sometimes... To edify means to encourage and to improve. Not to let stay the same. Not to just enable weakness. That's not what our job is to do. To edify, we want to strengthen the weaker to help them become strong. Amen? That's what we want to do. And then Paul says this. Verse 4. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning. That we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, have hope. You know, there's times where I'm preaching and I have to break down scripture. This does not have to be broken down. This is pretty plain spoken. Whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. That's pretty clear spoken, right? Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, therefore receive one another, just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. How How many know it's not about us? Amen? Say, it's not about me. It's about the glory of God. All of what we should do should be to glorify the Lord. Amen? How do we do that? How do we do that? May the God of patience and comfort help us to be the same way towards each other. May the God of patience and comfort... Patience and comfort is how we should respond and react to one another. With patience and comfort. It's not easy. Amen? We live in a patience-less society. How many know that we live in in a society where there's zero patience, none? Do you want to know how I know? I I looked this up. This is interesting. The ten most annoying sounds in the world. Uh, There's a top ten list of the most annoying sounds. It was done. I'm sure it was done scientifically. Where they did all that. Uh, number four, what do you think it was? If you're young, you might not know about this. We used to connect to the internet through what was called a dial tone. <laughs> I don't remember. I, I should play it for you right now. I no? Okay. I uh, there was a dial-up tone to get on the internet. It took about a minute, minute and a half tops your and connection. The most annoying sound in the world. People couldn't stand it because they had to wait for the internet. Gilbert Gottfried was like number three. So, you know his voice, you know what I'm talking about. Our culture, though, has been, how many little words of, of the, uh, the song by the band Queen, where he says, I want it all, I want it all, I want it all, and what? Come on, you, you bunch of holy people. You know who he is. you kidding me? So coming out is a the movie. I, they are. Joan knows. If it's a movie, Joan knows. I want it all and I want it now. That embodies our culture. That's what our culture is all about now. I want it all, I want it all, I want it all, and I want it that I want now. But that's not reflective of the character of God. That shouldn't be reflective of the character of a Christian. God is patient. He's comforting. And the Bible says that we should be the same in receiving one another. Patient and comforting. Paul goes on to say this in verse 8. Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the Father. So this has to In relating to the Jewish leaders and the people. And that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. Paul is saying that Jesus was both a servant to the Jews and the Gentiles. And then he gives them these four prophetic examples. He says this, it is written. These examples from scripture, it says this. As it is written for this reason, go the next slide. I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, meaning the Gentiles, it was foretold that they were going to be worshipping Christ, that they were going to be worshipping God. And again, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse, that is Jesus, and he who shall rise to reign of the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles have hope. In him the Gentiles have hope. And Paul is now coming to the end of his letter, towards the end of this letter we in chapter 15, there's 16 chapters in Romans. A lot of Romans, uh, the end of Romans is greetings to people that we're going to get into in a couple weeks here. But Paul is nearing the end of this letter and he offers up a prayer for them in verse 13. It says this, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and belief, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit say that again. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may be that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's an awesome prayer. Man, that's an awesome prayer. It's a prayer, by the way, it's a prayer for them and for us. It's a prayer that we'll hear again. From verse 14 to the end of the chapter, Paul speaks very clearly about what he's been told about their group of believers. There's been this group of believers in Rome that we've been, we've been talking about this entire time. It's who Paul's talking about. And he talks about what he's been told about their group as well as what God is doing in him. He says this, verse 14. Now I myself am confident, this is good, concerning you, my brother, that you are also full of goodness filled with all knowledge, able to also admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points, as reminding you, because of the grace given to me by God, that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. Interesting. Paul says to the believers this, you're doing well. He says to the believers, you're doing well. He's heard about the grumblings and some debates, but overall, the health of the believers is good. <coughs> overall, at this point in history, the health of the believers is good. They're full of goodness and knowledge as well as the ability to help each other strengthen the weaknesses that they have. They're able to admonish one another. How many know you have to be in good relationship with somebody to have them ad- admonish you? Or at least there needs to be a level of respect in order for them to admonish you. Paul says you're able to do that. That's good. If we look back on Romans, Paul has made some really bold statements. I mean, we're we're talking about views on homosexuality. We're talking about views on, on what you can eat, what you can't eat, what's righteous, what's not righteous. All these bold statements. But it wasn't always because it was the huge issue of the time as much as it may have just been a reminder This is just a reminder. Sometimes we just need to be reminded. Amen? Sometimes we just need to be reminded of the things of Christ or the things of God. Our lives get wrapped up in everything but God. In everything but Christ, but church, but fellowship. And so when our lives get wrapped up, sometimes we just need a reminder of what God wants to do in our lives. And then he says this, and I want to say this. To be honest, this is a As far as this portion of Scripture, it seems like this is written more towards me than you. This this may sound strange, but Paul is referring to what his burden is as a minister. This is what Paul refers to. The The reason I remind you boldly, listen, the reason me, the reason I, Pastor David, remind you boldly about what the gospel says is not because I'm perfect. Even Paul says it's only by grace. The great Apostle Paul says it's only by grace. I'm telling you, it's only by grace. The reason that I remind you boldly of what the gospel says is that in you living out the gospel, in you, your lives living out the gospel, I preach that what you live out might be acceptable and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul is saying here. And then he says this, verse 17, Therefore, I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus and the things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things. That Paul is talking about his ministry right now. I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round to Illyricum. Elis- Elis- El- 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 I have fully preached the gospel of Christ uh, from Jerusalem to Illyricum. This is interesting. Paul says that his glory is in Christ. And then he speaks about what God has done through his ministry. We see uh, into Paul's ministry journey a little bit here. In his ministry life, Paul says that he traveled so far. No, no, go to the root for Thank you. Paul says that he traveled from Jerusalem to Illyricum. Illyricum is modern-day Albania. It's roughly around a thousand miles apart. Paul, in his preaching, has traveled from Jerusalem to Albania. And in doing so, he preaches Christ everywhere he goes. Go to the next slide. It says this. Verse 20. And so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named. This is interesting. Not where Christ was named lest I should build on another man's foundation. When Paul went somewhere and found out Christ had been preached there, he didn't keep preaching there. He went on to the next place. Why? Because the gospel was spreading. Because it was about spreading the word. If they've already heard it, all right, on to the next. We're going to where they haven't heard the word. And so Paul makes a statement very clearly. I don't want to build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not. They shall see. And to those who have not heard, they shall understand. For this reason, I have much been hindered from coming to you. He's explaining to the Roman church why he hasn't been able to come to them. He's explaining to the Romans, hey, listen, just so you know, I love you. I'd like to be with you, but I haven't been able to be with you yet because of this. In verses 23 through 28, we're not going to actually get there on the slide. Uh, 23 to 28, a lot of that is, is where he's been and how glad he is about the ministry happening in the world. Uh, 23 through 28, you can read that in, in your own time. And it's really one of those things where it's not a matter of just skipping ahead. It's a matter of, it's informational. It's good information, but it's informational. He lets them know that if he can, in this period, 23 through 28, he lets them know that if he can, he wants to spend time with them on his way to minister in Spain. I'm giving you the gist of what's written there. He wants to spend time with the church in Rome. In verse 29, he says that when he eventually gets to them, it will be in the fullness of Christ. When eventually I get to you, it will be in the fullness of Christ. How many know much about Paul's life? How many know much about Paul's death? Because while we know he gets to Rome, he doesn't go as a free man. He gets to Rome as a prisoner. When he's in Rome, he's a prisoner. And Paul was well aware of the risk he was, of, of him preaching. I think about that sometimes. I think about the risk of the initial preachers. I think about the culture in America, and, and one day it may be a risk for me to preach the gospel. It may be a risk for you to share The gospel someday. We're not there yet, but you know it's getting closer. We're not there yet, thank God. But you can tell it's getting closer. Paul, he knew about this risk because he was preaching and he's arrested. And even as a prisoner, he continues to preach Christ. Even as a prisoner. He continues to preach Christ, and, and he ends the chapter. He ends chapter fifteen with a request. He ends this chapter with a very simple yet all-important request. Go to the next slide. It says this: Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ, that through the love of the Spirit, that you would strive together with me in prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from those in Judea do not believe, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, that I may come to you with the joy by the will of God, and may be refreshed together with you. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Pray for me. The last part of what Paul says is, listen, guys, Christians, Romans, fellow believers, please pray for me. Pray that I will be delivered from my persecutors and that my service will be acceptable. Amen. I'm thankful, very thankful for the Lord to come up and pray for me. I'm thankful for a church that prays for me. i pray for you. Let's stand this morning. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that we'd be inspired by the life of Paul this morning. That we would be inspired by his writings and his sacrifices and his prayers. Lord, I pray, I continue to pray over the, the families of those affected by the hurricane. Lord, I pray comfort over those who are mourning this week. Lord, I I don't know the name of the family, but the young man who took his life in Armstrong. Lord, I pray over that family this morning. Lord, I pray that they would feel your presence and power even in dark moments, even in these very dark times. I want to end this service by praying as Paul did over the, the church in Rome. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing. That you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray this in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Enjoy your Sunday. Enjoy the snow. Have a snowball fight out there. And we'll see you in a little bit.